Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, send it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Before we get started, I do want to recommend you pick up a copy of Slime Incorporated. It's my first full-length mystery novel. It's available as a paperback or for the Kindle. And uh, I incorporated a lot of great classic detective uh, elements as well as uh, adding a bit of a modern feel. So you can pick up Slime Incorporated uh, at Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble for the paperback or in the Kindle store. Well, and also uh, over at GreatDetectives.net, my review of the uh, telefilm Cat Among the Pigeons, and you can check that out at GreatDetectives.net. Today we have uh, two episodes of Police Headquarters, episode uh, 13, Isaac Nathan Death, and episode 14, The Mackenzie Death. Police Headquarters. What's that, ma'am? Just a moment. Police headquarters, Lieutenant Henderson. This is Larry the Glazing's housekeeper. There are burglars downstairs. I just heard someone... Hello? Hello? Operator, trace that call. Pete? Yes, sir? Look in the city directory for an Isaac Nathan residence. Yes, sir. Hello? Yes, what is it? 5947 Somerset Road. Thanks. Send a car to 5947 Somerset Road on an investigation. Oh. That address checked, Lieutenant. Good. Get the car. I have a hunch we'll be needed. Yes, sir. That's us, sir. Burglary follow-up. 5947 Somerset Road. Meet officers Ryan and Furtick. Burglary follow-up. 5947 That's the call we received at headquarters. Something Ryan and Murdoch can't handle. Step on it. There we are, Lieutenant. Yeah, there's the radio patrol car up ahead. Swing in the driveway here. Okay. That'll do. Come with me. That's Ryan at the door, sir. Yeah. What's up, Ryan? It's been a burglary, sir. Two of them carried away all the silver in the house. You got a description? Here's the housekeeper, sir. She can tell you everything. Good. Let's get inside. Now, ma'am, what's your name? And my name is Mrs. Donovan. I'm Mr. Nathan's housekeeper. You were the one who called me at headquarters? Yes, sir. I was asleep and I heard noises down below. I looked down the stairs and there were two men carrying away Mr. Nathan's silver before. I see. Why did you scream? Because I thought they were coming for me, sir. Uh, where's Mr. Nathan? I don't know, sir. He was asleep in his room the last I see him. He's not there now, Lieutenant. I searched the house. You say you searched the house? Yes, sir, except one room. What room was that? The next to study store. 
It ain't been opened in 20 years. Well, it's going to be open now. Oh, Where is it? We wouldn't dare, sir. The master. Where is it? Yeah. Over here. What? Where's the key? Oh, Mr. Nathan had the key, sir. He ain't been in that room since his wife died 20 years ago. How do you know he hasn't? Lend the shoulder here, Pete. Yes, sir. Ah, she's right, Lieutenant. Nobody's been in this room for a long time. We'll see. Switch on the light. There's no lights in here. How do you know? Well, I've been with Mr. Nathan 20 years himself, sir. He wouldn't allow the electric man to put the lights in this room. Well, there are a row of candles over there on that bookcase, Ryan. Light them up. All right. Well, there's been somebody in this room recently, Lieutenant. There are footprints in the dust here. Hmm. Man's footprints. They lead to that couch over there. But they don't come back, sir. They're one-way prints. There's something screwy here. Jerk the sheet off of that couch, Pete. Yes, sir. What the... It's him, Lieutenant. It's the master. It's him, all right. Don't try to wake him up, Pete. He's dead. Well, did you find out what killed him, Doc? Yes, it's rather odd, Lieutenant. Your man died of a hypodermic injection just above the heart. Hmm. What poison was administered? Well, you could hardly call it a poison. Nathan died from an injection of an overdose of cocaine. Cocaine? You think he was a drug addict? Well, hardly. How do you figure that? It's clear that Nathan was not an addict from the absence of scars on his legs or arms. You call it homicide? Uh, that's up to the coroner. I'll withhold my report until you fellows find the hypodermic syringe which killed him. Don't worry, Doc. We'll find it. And when we do, we'll tell you whether he used it himself or whether somebody else used it. Well, that's your job, Lieutenant. I'm going on get some sleep. Okay, Doc. What'd you find out, Pete? Well, I found that Mr. Nathan has a son living in Trentonville, just 20 miles away. I called him and told him to come right over. Good. And I found out that Mrs. Donovan and Nathan were the only ones who slept in the house. Anybody else around? A chauffeur or cook or somebody? Uh, nobody except a gardener. Old fellow by the name of Danby. He sleeps in a room above the garage. Call him in. Yes, sir. You think it's homicide, sir? I'm not sure yet. Looks as if it might be. But this door was locked from the inside, sir. And all the windows were locked and bolted. Yes, What's more? I know, I know. And there's only one set of footprints in the dust leading to that sofa where Nathan is lying. Oh, that's right. But the prints don't fit Nathan's shoes. What? Oh, don't stand there with your mouth open. Well, how did Nathan get in the room if the prints weren't his? That's easy. He was carried in. Oh, there are no tracks leading away from the corpse. How did the murderer get out? That's something I've still got to figure out. Maybe he got out by the transom. Oh, use your head, Pete. A baby couldn't get through that transom. Yeah, you're right, Lieutenant. Now, if you're through asking questions, you'll get Danby the gardener. I'd like to talk with him. I've got a feeling that he can help us out. Your name is Danby? Yes. Did you hear the burglars who broke in here last night? No, I didn't. Well, then how does it happen that you're fully dressed at 2 o'clock in the morning when my men get here? Well, I, I was in bed when I hear Mrs. Donovan scream, so I pulled on my pants and shirt and come running over. How long did it take you to dress? Oh, it took me, I'd say, about three minutes. And you saw nothing of the burglars? Nothing. Was the front door open or locked? It opened. I walked right in. I see. Uh, Mr. Danby, do you know of anyone who'd benefit from Mr. Nathan's death? Well, yes, we all would. Donovan and me have been with the old man for now under 25 years. They both got something under his will, and 
And Mr. Howard, uh, his son, come in for a right smart piece of money. He's out. I see. And did you like Mr. Nathan? Well, can't say how I liked him or didn't like him. The job to me, and that's all. Sometimes he's right nice to me, and sometimes he was right mean. I guess everybody's like that, though. You can't tell. Well, were Mrs. Donovan and Mr. Nathan the only persons living in this house? Uh, yes. Why did you hesitate before you answer, Mr. Dunby? Let me remind you, Danby. There was a murder committed here this evening. Murder is a serious matter. You know anything of value to us? It's your duty to make it known. Now, who else lived in this house besides Mrs. Donovan and Mr. Nathan? Right. I'd rather you'd ask Mrs. Donovan that question. Do you think she'd answer? Uh, no. Then it's up to you to tell us. Well, you're right. There is someone else living here, only nobody except Mrs. Donovan, Mr. Nathan, and myself. No. Who? Another man, sir. Mrs. Donovan's son. Hmm. Well, why didn't Mrs. Donovan tell us that? Because their son ain't exactly right, sir. What do you mean? Well, Danny, that's the son's name, has been kept locked up in Mrs. Donovan's room for five years, sir. Only let out now and then. You mean he's... Insane, sir. It's a pity, too. He, he studied to be a doctor. Went away to school for years. And, and he had an accident, explosion or something. You think he killed Nathan? I don't know, sir. But I, I do know Mr. Nathan was scared of him. The boy Danny throws terrible fits. Threatens to kill folks. Mr. Nathan told me once he was scared Danny had killed him. I see. All right, you can go, Danby, but don't leave the place. Uh, I won't. Yeah, how'd you get the idea of asking all the questions about the son? Oh, I don't know. Just a hunch, I guess. All right, Nathan got here yet? Uh, not yet. Ask Mrs. Donovan to come back in here for a minute. All right. Yes, you did. Come in, Mrs. Donovan. I was passing in the hall, sir. And I thought I heard you call my name. You weren't by any chance listening at the door. Oh, no, sir. But what did old Danby tell you, sir? I don't trust him. Him and Mr. Howard's been getting pretty sick lately. Do you trust Howard? Not anymore, sir, since he's been running with that city crowd. He used to come here every day asking his father for money. He got right mad the other day when Mr. Nathan refused to give him any more. Oh, he did, did he? Oh, I, I wanted to ask you about your son. <laughs> my son? It's all right, Mrs. Donovan. Danby told me all about it. I'm awfully sorry for you. Where is your son now? He's gone. He's not in the house? No. When Mr. Howard Nathan came the other day, I had him take him away to a hospital. Oh, I know what you're thinking. And I'm glad now that Howard took Danny away. Are you sure that Mr. Howard Nathan didn't bring him back last night? No. He took him the day before yesterday. Howard Nathan hasn't been back since. I see. How about the master, sir? Did he... He was murdered, Mrs. Donovan. Murdered? By someone who used a hypodermic syringe. <gasps> it's true, Mrs. Donovan. He was murdered, and I think I know who did it. We're coming back in the morning and search this house from top to bottom for the hypodermic needle that was used to kill him. Got up your sleeve, Lieutenant. Been out here in the bushes behind the house for three hours and nothing's happened. Quiet. Give us away. How long ago did Howard arrive? About an hour ago. And did Danby in the house, too? Yeah. You know, I've got a feeling that. Look, Lieutenant. Somebody's coming out the back door. Duck down low. We don't want to be seen. Whatever it is, it's going out to that tree over there. Say it, they got a shovel. Just what we want. Come on. All right, get him. Quick. I got him, sir. Oh. But it's not a him, it's a her. No, you don't. Let me go. Get her hand hands off me. Right. Take your hands off there. me. Uh-huh. A hypodermic needle, just as I expected. She killed Nathan. She knew we were coming back in the morning and we'd find both the needle and the body. The body? Yes, the body of her son. 
Nathan was afraid for his life. He was afraid the boy would... And he killed the boy. Mrs. Donovan killed Nathan because she knew Nathan killed her son. Then there's been two murders here. Yes, and one of them's already been avenged. Hasn't it, Mrs. Donovan? Yes. I killed him. He killed the only one I loved in all the world. My boy is dead. He's never coming back to me. Never. Where's your son's body, Mrs. Donovan? It's laying on an old sofa up in the fourth floor attic. I'm sorry, Mrs. Donovan, but I'll have to arrest you for the murder of Isaac Isaac Nathan. (laughs) Police headquarters. All right, Lieutenant. Hello, Tim. Call the police matron to come down and take charge of a prisoner. Homicide detail, Captain Gregory. This is Dr. George Matthews speaking. Oh, yes? I have a house guest at the home of Alexander McKenzie. Uh, Mr. McKenzie has just been found dead on the roof of his house. Now, what's the address out there? Uh, it's the old gray mansion, about a half mile south of Wendell Road at Twin Oaks. What were the circumstances surrounding the death? Well, no one seems to know. Mr. McKenzie was found with a bullet wound through the right frontal. Uh, are there any other guests? Yes, three. Uh, give orders for no one to leave the place. I'll be there in 20 minutes. Very well, Captain. Yes, sir? Got a fast car. We're making a call at Twin Oaks. Old uh, Alex McKenzie's just been found dead. Yes, sir. Well, uh, what did you find on McKenzie? Nothing much, Captain. Uh, he made a lot of money on the market, then got out while the getting was good. Mm. Lives out in the country, uh, doctor's orders. He's as mean as dirt, pretty well hated by everyone, and one man in particular. Oh, who? Fellow by the name of Gleason. Used to be a business associate of McKenzie's. They split up about ten years ago. Mm. Over what? Well, I couldn't get the dope on that, Captain. Yeah, you did pretty good as it is. Step on it, Mike. Yes, sir. The police coming, Doctor. Ah, I phoned them ten minutes ago. They should be here any moment now. Who did you get a hold of, Doctor? Why, I... Oh, here they are now. Uh, you're Captain Gregory? Yes. I'm Dr. Matthews. Dr. Matthews. Uh, this is Mr. Gleason. Yes, sir. How do you do? And Clyde Patterson. Oh, the flyer? Yes. Glad to know you, Captain. Uh, who found Mr. McKenzie's body? Uh, Mr. Gleason. Oh, is that right, Mr. Gleason? Yes. Well, you'll please go, please go to the roof with me. I want the others to remain below. Certainly. Uh, see to it, Mike. All right. Well, this way, Captain. There's a private elevator to the roof. You lead the way. Anyone else in the house? Yes, there's Margie, uh, Mrs. McKenzie, and Dr. Matthews' wife. Mm. You were uh, pretty well acquainted with McKenzie, huh? Yes, unfortunately. And his wife? Yes. Uh, how well did you know Mrs. McKenzie? Very well. I was engaged to her before Alex married her. I see. Well, how does it happen that uh, you're here tonight, Mr. Gleason? I understand from rumor that there was no love lost between you and Mackenzie. That's right. I hated him and he hated me. But don't get the impression that I killed him, Captain. Because as much as I hated him, my regard for Margie would restrain any homicidal intention. Her life with him has been difficult enough as it is. Well, here we are. Hmm. What's this place? Well, this is the roof garden. 
Mr. McKenzie had it converted into a sort of meteorologist laboratory. Mm-hmm. He was an amateur meteorologist with his one hobby. I see. Now, where's the body? You will find it over by the railing at the far corner of the roof. Now, you don't mind coming with me? Not if it's necessary. I'm sorry, it is. Now, I'm not uh, very well acquainted with meteorology. Perhaps you'll tell me briefly what McKenzie did. Oh, all sorts of things. Predicted weather changes, measured rainfall, estimated wind velocities. Mm-hmm. I'm not much on the subject myself. Oh, the body is just over here, Captain. Mm. Shot. Important. The doctor said right frontal, if that means anything. Wearing golf clothes. There's a button clenched in his left hand. Fell in an awkward position. No wonder he didn't fall over the railing. Uh, you were the one to find him? Yes. Was he lying in the same position? Yes. You know where this button came from? Uh, no. Who was the last person to see him alive? I was. Oh, you were? Hmm. Uh, where was he when you last saw him? Just where he is lying now. Did you see anything of the gun that was used to kill him? I didn't stop to look. Hmm. Has anybody been up here since you came down? Yes, all of us. Dr. Matthews took charge. Hmm. He told us the man was dead, and then his wife took Mrs. McKenzie to her room. Hmm. Uh, will you ask uh, Dr. Matthews and Clyde Patterson to step up here? There are some questions to be answered before we clear this thing up. And that's all you know, Patterson? Yes. Uh, and you, Doctor? Well... I'm afraid I can't tell you any more than Mr. Patterson. We were all at luncheon after a round of golf. Mackenzie hadn't been playing, but he had been drinking heavily. Mm. After luncheon, he asked Mr. Gleason to step up to the roof. Said he had something to show him. And uh, Mr. Gleason agreed? Yes. Mm -hmm. They were up here about five or ten minutes. And then Gleason came down, greatly agitated. He was muttering something about breaking Mackenzie's neck. Mm. What then? Then Gleason said... I'll show him, and went back upstairs again. Mm-hmm. It was less than a minute until he informed us that Mackenzie had been shot. Did uh, either one of you hear the shot? I didn't. Neither did I. Uh, is there any other way up here except by that elevator? No. I wish I knew what size gun was used to kill him. Do uh, you have any idea, Doctor? Yes, I have. Mm. He was killed with a rather unusual gun. Probably a Derringer. Derringer? Are you positive? Well... Reasonably so. And nobody has seen anything of a gun, huh? No. I believe the custom for a murderer to hide the weapon, isn't it? Oh, not necessarily. I, uh, I noticed powder grains on the man's face. Uh, how far away would a gun be held to inflict a burn like that? Oh, less than a foot, I'd say. Mm. Now, Doctor, here's a question about Mackenzie's health. Uh, why did you order him to take up residence in the country? Because of his lungs and heart. Oh. Alexander Mackenzie was a very sick man. He had less than six months to live. He knew this? Why, yes. Oh, who's that? Oh, Mr. Gleason. Oh, good. Uh, step over here a minute, Mr. Gleason. Yes? Uh, what did Mackenzie tell you up here that made you flare up? Oh, nothing much. That I'd never lived to get marching. Anything else? Nothing important. One word led to another. When I left, I was very angry. I noticed that you changed your coat, Gleason. Why? 
Well, it was uncomfortably warm up here in the sun. That wasn't the reason. Why, I... The reason was you saw me find that small black button in Mackenzie's dead hand. That button came from the sleeve of your coat, and you knew it. Yes, but I didn't kill him. I didn't. And you came here tonight with a Derringer pistol, didn't you? Why, why, I... Tell the truth, Gleason. Why, why, yes. I've carried one for years in my topcoat. And Mackenzie knew it. Yes. Where's his pistol now? I know you're not going to believe this story, but I looked in the cloakroom for it when I went downstairs, and it was gone. On the other hand, that's exactly what I expected. You think I killed him? You think I don't think anything. I know that Mackenzie's death was suicide. What? What? Suicide? Suicide. Yes. But where's the gun? Your men searched the grounds and house, and it's not around the court. It doesn't make any difference. It was suicide. This time, I'm working on the other side. I'm working to save Gleason here from the chair. Now, quick, who can tell me something about some of these uh, gadgets? I can. Oh, sure, you're a flyer. What's this? The barometer measures air pressure. Mm, Which way is the wind blowing now? The dial reads west. How fast? And a thermometer says five miles an hour. It's hardly blowing. Uh, what are these? Sounding balloons. They're four feet in diameter when inflated. It tends to use them to read the speed of the winds aloft. Measure their flight through a transit. Uh, what is the lifting power of one of these balloons? Let's see. Fifty cubic feet of hydrogen will lift two and three-quarter pounds. The balloon weighs a pound. We'll lift about one and three-quarter pounds. Ah, good. Now, uh, at what altitude will the air pressure and the weight of a balloon like this, loaded with a pound weight, equalize? You mean, where will it stop rising? Yeah. About 4,000 feet. Oh, good. Now, what time was Mackenzie killed, Doctor? About 1.30. And it's 2.30 now. Uh, Patterson. Yes? Your ship is on Mackenzie's golf course, isn't it? Yes. I want to use it. Your only instructions are climb to 4,000 feet, fly due west about five and a half miles, and all the time keep your eyes peeled for a four-foot balloon. Mackenzie's own prints on it. Well, that's that. Nice job of flying, Patterson. Good calculations, too. Take a bunch of orchids for yourself, Captain. It was a swell job of deduction. I went on hunches, mostly. Mackenzie hated Gleason. Therefore, he had some reason for asking him up to the roof. I knew that he was going to... He knew that he was going to die, and Gleason would get his wife after all, so he planned to kill himself and pin it on to Gleason. Some men are like that, you know. Mackenzie was a bit morbid anyway. I noticed it the first time I met him. When we uh, failed to find a pistol, Gleason's pistol, I knew it wasn't murder. The idea of Mackenzie tying it onto a sounding balloon so it would float away when he shot himself was just a hunch, but it worked out. Yes, but the button you found in Mackenzie's hand. 
Well, that was the first thing that gave his suicide away. That button hadn't been torn from Gleason's sleeve. It had been cut. What? Yeah, cut by Mackenzie from Gleason's sleeve while he was playing golf. Police headquarters. All right, Captain. Hello, Tim. Take that card on the McKinsey case and mark it suicide. Police headquarters. Welcome back. These were the type of episodes I was really thinking about when I added police headquarters uh, to our lineup. I know we've had some episodes that were not uh, at the highest caliber, but these were two uh, very good short mysteries. Um, I particularly liked the uh, uh, McKenzie death. I, I think that the... Uh, way that that was done, that had to be one of the more uh, clever ways to get rid of the murder gun. Or suicide gun, excuse me. And then the first one, the Isaac Nathan death, it's hard to uh, not sympathize with the killer in that case, because the way that Nathan killed her son, it was like he thought he was putting down an animal. So you get a pretty understandable reaction. Police headquarters will actually next be heard on Monday. We'll be wrapping up Manhunt, and we only have one 50, um, a quarter hour episode of Manhunt, so we're combining it with an episode of Police Headquarters. So listen to Police Headquarters on Monday, and then, of course, uh, we'll be back here next Saturday with two more episodes of Police Headquarters. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter, Radio Detectives, and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.